Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast, Heartfelt Consciousness. My name's Michaela. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast, Heartfelt Consciousness. My name is Michaela. Today, we have with us Catherine Budig, founder of the House of Phoenix. So how are you today? I am doing all right. I'm recovering from a little COVID right now. So I've got my handy cup of water in case I go into a cough fit. But I am here to deliver a sexy voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's working. It's a vibe. I like it. <laughs> so first things first, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about the House of Phoenix. Yeah. House of Phoenix is my baby. We, um, I launched it last August, so we are closing in on almost a full year. Um, and it was, it was an exciting move for me because the majority of my career, I used to teach on a site, it used to be called Yoga Glow, and now it's called Glow, and I taught there for 12 years and never really had the um, drive to open my own studio. I knew I never wanted a, a brick and mortar just because I had so many friends who are studio owners and and they know what goes into it and it is a lot of work that I was not interested in um and here I am with my own online studio now and it was kind of uh, just a very last minute pivot but also a beautiful opportunity to really lean into everything all the facets of life that I think are interesting and all the offerings that I want to put out into the world and not necessarily you know, the, the, the capitalistic endeavor of like this sells and this is popular and this is what people are going to gobble up. Um, you know, I'm, I'm teaching classes based on books and mythology. And of course there's yoga, but, and meditation, which is popular, but it's not really that popular. Let me tell you, um, (laughs) um, and cooking classes and magic and ritual and community and book club and all the things that are really important to me. So it's a, it's a challenging site to describe because it's certainly not a yoga site it has yoga on it but it's not the heart of it the heart has definitely become the community the community is yeah it's crazy it's unbelievable it's um I never in a million years thought that I could create an online community that actually felt like the community that you would have in person and the people who have been attracted to this are phenomenal and I actually look forward to going live and and talking with them and seeing them and connecting with them and being on our private chat app and knowing what's going on in their lives. And it's, it's, it's been pretty transformative, honestly. That's beautiful. I had no idea that there were, that you offered so much in one place. (laughs) Yeah. It's all there, baby. It's all there. (laughs) I have, I feel like I have so many more questions now (laughs) for things to talk about. So just, just for us to know, for us and the listeners to know, how long have you been practicing yoga? How long had you been practicing before you began the endeavor? Right. Um, I, I started casually practicing yoga when I was in college. Um, and then a, a friend of mine, I was in doing a lot of theater and she was a dancer and she's the one who found yoga outside of the university. And it was in Ashtanga practice her name was Jennifer Elliott and I had no idea what Ashtanga was or any nothing I knew nothing about yoga except for that we started going I fell in love with it 
and just started scraping together as much money as I could to go take this class every week when I was in school. And by the time I graduated, I, I wanted to, I, I still thought I wanted to pursue theatrics. So it was either New York or Los Angeles. And I had already been an East Coast girl. So I thought I'd try the West Coast. And I moved to Los Angeles and I thought I would learn how to teach yoga to pay the bills. And my teacher said, you have to go to Yoga Works and you have to train with Chuck Miller and Matias Roddy, which again, nothing to me at the time. So I said, okay, um, managed to get into the very last training they ever held before they sold it and completely changed my life. And um, Mati was just unbelievable and saw something inside of me that I certainly was never going to access without her guidance. And so that started my career teaching yoga and I taught at Yoga Works in Santa Monica for eight years and then started hitting the circuit doing yoga journal conferences and retreats and workshops and you name it. Um, teaching online at Glow. And then I've moved all over the place. I live in Charleston, South Carolina now and feeling very good about where I am now, like having my own business and running things exactly the way I want to and having full autonomy and, and creating the business that I find fit. And it's, it's been a rewarding long journey to get here. It's been about 20 years of teaching now. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, I made it. Thank you. That's beautiful. Well, I mean, it's a beautiful journey. And then what you've created is impressive, especially as it was something that just kind of happened. Yeah. They, yeah. If you stay open to it, some crazy stuff will enter your life. That's for sure. Yeah. I love that. I have so many more questions. <laughs> so I love that you trained with Madi Roddy because Michelle, the CEO of MVP also trained with Madi. Mm -hmm. And yeah. really, really connected with her teachings. So I think that that's awesome. She was one of the finest teachers that ever lived, ever. What a beautiful thing. I, that, what a beautiful thing for people to say about you. I know. I miss her so much. It's insane. Yeah. But yeah. She will affect people forever. Yes. And I mean, through you now too. And, you know, all yes. of her students. All, she lives through all of us. Everyone yeah. she talks. Beautiful. I love that so much. So... Tell me, I, I love that you are creating a space for yourself to really be authentically who you want to be and how you want to show up, not just in yoga, but in the other facets of, you know, what interests you. Mm -hmm. um, tell me a little bit about what caused you, what called you to start House of Phoenix? Uh, you know, I knew one chapter was ending as I left the platform that I was working on before. And this was, you know, kind of in the middle of COVID and quarantine. And, um, you know, I used to travel for a living so that once COVID hit, obviously that went out the window. So it really came from necessity at first. I was like, all right, you know, I'm leaving basically my full-time job. I can't travel. So what am I going to do? Um, and I didn't want to do something just to make money. So I had to sit there and think about, all right, what is it that will fill me up? What will serve me? And um, my friend and colleague, Sean Korn, had been trying to get me to move over to this platform that hosts House of Phoenix. She'd been teaching there for a year. And she's like, Catherine, you have to come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You're going to kill it here. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. So I talked to Sean and, and the the website that hosts House of Phoenix is called Union Fit. 
and took a few meetings with them. And I was like, okay, you know, I, I get full autonomy. Like this is truly going to be my creation. And then I hired a little teeny tiny team, tiny and mighty, um, phenomenal manager, an unbelievable graphic designer who like took my insides and put them on my outsides. And, and, and I, I sat with my manager, Tess, and I just talked about all the things that were important to me. And, and I thought I was just going to teach, you know, a yoga class here and there, and maybe a meditation. And then before you knew it, I had this very robust offering. And I think to this day, Union tells us that we are a content machine. <laughs> um, but there's just so much that's important to me and so much that I want to offer. And as I started offering more things like every new moon and full moon, we do rituals and it's, I'm teaching people magic, you know, magic with a K and, and people loved it so much that now that's on the schedule all the time, you know, and, and then we have professor Phoenix, which is pulling on, I, I try to find someone that not necessarily from the yoga world, um, but just something that inspires us more of an educational approach. Um, and that was going to be a monthly thing, but turns out that is a lot of work. So we're spreading that a little bit more, but it, it's just been this beautiful, unexpected, very time consuming, difficult, lots of work, just to anyone who thinks they're going to start their own studio, be prepared for an immense amount of work, but so rewarding, you know, it's just, it feels so good to go to bed and feel like what I'm putting out into the world is something that I'm deeply proud of and it's affecting people and it's bringing people together and, um, just feels good to be excited about your work. You've, it sounds like you found your path. Yeah. Part of it. Part of yeah. it. This be my only path for sure, but it is certainly a chapter of my life that I am feeling very good about writing. I like how you framed that. Thank you for that reframe. I'm interested in the magic, magic yeah. with the K. Yes. That okay. So let me organize my thoughts. <laughs> Earlier, you said mythology, which is one of the things that actually brought you to my attention. I was actually pulling our listeners and talking to some people and someone was like, you know, I, I follow this person on Instagram and I really like what she does with mythology specifically. Um, I am by no means know anything at all, but mythology is super exciting. So can you tell me a little bit about how, what, what that offering looks like yoga and mythology or whatever you do with mythology from your, your platform? Yeah. I mean, mythology has been something that's been important to me since I was a little kid, and um, I'm, I'm also a writer and a, a voracious reader. I have a book club called Inky Phoenix, which is fiction, and most of, you know, all of our picks have like a dollop or a pinch of magic involved, and one of the offerings that I wanted to create, well, one of the a workshop that I used to offer on a regular basis was called The Hero's Journey, um, inspired by Joseph, Cam Joseph Campbell, but it's not based on the hero's arch, but I would take a bunch of different favorite stories from mythology around the world and I created a workshop based on that. So we would go through and workshop different poses and sequences and I'd be like, this is based on the Thunderbird and this is based on, you know, Snow White, you know, all sorts of stuff. It would be from folklore to mythology. And I, I loved doing it so much that I thought, well, you know, it might be fun when I do House of Phoenix once a month to do, we call it moving mythology. And I pick a different myth from around the world. And it's a 75 minute class where I rewrite the myth. I open the class reading the myth to everyone. And then the entire sequence is based on that story. And sometimes it's, it can be something like I did one on Hera from Greek mythology, from the Greek 
pantheon and about her peacock, which is her sacred animal. And so that was easy in the sense that right, the peak pose is going to be peacock, right? So I led up to peacock pose, but then was telling all the little fun sub stories and what led to the peacock being sacred to her and putting that into the physicality. Um, you know, I wrote one on the Ukrainian goddess of the underworld called Morana. And so I did an entire Surya Namaskara on my back. So it would be Surya Namaskara in the underworld if it was inverted. So it's, it's fun for me because I've always enjoyed making my classes very creative, probably for the sole purpose that I like to take creative things and I get bored easily. Um, so the movie mythology is great because it's a good way to um, help people learn stories that have obviously existed forever. And it's a great way to introduce people to different cultures and beliefs and, and you know, just what they're representative of. And it does connect often to magic and ritual. And it just makes people, I hope, look at their life differently. And then also I want them to be curious. I want them to take the class and then go down the rabbit hole researching this myth or God or creature or and, and see what doors that opens for them and hopefully books that it will open for them as well. That is such a beautiful offering. It's fun. We, we, we have a lot of fun. I, I appreciate so much the time and attention put into that. that I can't imagine not only holding space for a class, but telling a story. I mean, I guess we kind of do that, but to that extent, that I'm so intrigued. Yeah, yeah well, you should come. To I class. need to come. Yes, I need to come take a class. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. We do it live once a month, and then for people who can't make it live, it's always available in the the replay library for when people want to take it. And I do a little PDF that you can download, and my graphic designer does like a beautiful job with it. And puts you know imagery from whatever the story is behind it so i you know encourage people to like print it out and keep a little book so they have their own little books of mythology that they can keep at home as well i that is such a unique offering how cool thank you so more questions <laughs> yeah. magic tell me about that tell me about what what is magic with a k versus a magic with a K is about ritual and magic with the C is like pulling a bunny out of a hat, you know? Um, so if magic is, you know, it's a, a religious or it's ritualistic or it's, you know, if you're Wiccan or, you know, Haitian voodoo or hoodoo, you know, you think of magic with a K. So it's like an, an actual ritualistic practice for practitioners. So the, the magic that I do for the moon rituals are teaching people things like um, cord cutting, you know, how to release negative energy or mirror banishing, or um, I, I don't personalize in tarot, but I'll be having um, a, a person on who specializes in tarot reading and doing that for the group. And um, I just try to pay attention to what moon it is, you know, each full moon specifically has a different name and a different meaning and a different heritage. And the new moon has a very different meaning than the full moon and connecting people to that. So we open with a ritual, we cast the circle, we do a little moon salutation, just ritualistic movement. This isn't movement because like you're trying to move your body today. This is simply ritualistic movement. 
And then normally we finish with a meditation every now and then we won't move at all. And we'll just focus on ritual candle magic, what have you, but it's just, you know, it's not, it's certainly, you don't have to be a witch. You don't have to be a Wiccan or anything like that, but it's, it's just a way to help people connect back to their roots, back to the concept of earth magic, back to the magic that surrounds us. And, you know, the concept of magic only exists to those who are willing to see it and believe in it. And so it's my hopes that if people do this, it's, it will help reawaken that belief system for them. I really like how you said, connect people back to the earth and the inherent magic that is there. And yeah. we see that so much in yoga and yoga philosophy, all of the elements, you know, we look at Ayurveda and things like that. And all of the elements are super important. Very. So that's yeah. such a great way to look at it. Um, I've never experienced anything like that, but I'm super intrigued by the, just the inherent energy and everything. And if, and I mean, I think if you're a yoga practitioner, you already are tapping into energy. If you're a meditation practitioner, you're definitely tapping into that kind of energy. And it's, it's all, it's absolutely all connected and it may not be for everyone, but it's like the people who have been showing up and, you know, it's our, it's our little house coven. It's this phenomenal group of people that gathers together. And I love that we get to do these rituals live and just that feeling that we're all doing incantations together and setting our intention together and summoning together. And it's, um, it's been very powerful. Okay, I, I have so many questions. I didn't know that this was gonna take a turn to being to about magic, a little more about magic. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, you, you tied a very good um, connection there you said there's a lot of magic within mythological stories mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I feel like is probably what makes them exciting for people because we sure. get to connect to these ideas that we don't always yeah I mean so many of the myths from around the world right it was people's way of explaining the inexplicable you know I mean you look at Norse mythology, you know, Thor, the god of thunder to explain the weather or Zeus or something like that. Um, and they're these really rich stories, so creative of, you know, how the first mosquito came into the world or just something so absurd. And yeah, it's laced with magic and it's filled with gods and goddesses and creatures and, and it's, I think it's important to, I don't know, I don't like to say it's childlike because I think that's something that I was always ridiculed for, loving magic and story and mythology. I had a lot of people ridicule me for that, where, you know, like there are a lot of historians that would argue with that description. Um, But it's, I do think for anyone who takes themselves too seriously to read about myth or the origin of ideas and how people have evolved and, and, you know, the Thunderbird from indigenous Americans, how that explains like the weather system. And it's just, it's such a beautiful way to see the world and to experience history laced with magic. And I think it's sad that we are a community that so frequently acts like magic is, you know, pulling a bunny out of a hat when it is all around us. We just, we've never tried to access it. 
We don't respect it. We don't call upon it. We treat it as if it's false. So of course, it's always going to seem like a fictitious thing when that's the way we treat it. A snaps for that. Of course, it's going to feel that way. <laughs> yeah. Of course. I mean, I think of look at things as simple, as, as simple, as simple as the planets and the planetary system, right? <laughs> so simple on the I mean, grand the scheme of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> but how can you not see some kind of magic, whether you believe it's physics or whatever you want to put in there? But mm. wow, these giant rocks float around each other. It's kind of crazy. Just, just doing their thing. <laughs> I know, right? I love that. So I think that it's a beautiful like way to encourage people to express themselves in different ways. Because I feel like we've gotten a little like tampered down. Definitely tampered down. And, you know, yoga practitioners, obviously every teacher is going to teach the class differently. But generally speaking, most teachers will ask you to set intention at the beginning of the practice, Right whether there's a theme that the teacher is setting or before you do your first sun salutation, just taking a moment, set your intention, breathe, focus, whatever you wanna call it. And that's magic, that's ritual. It's the same thing. We, instead of casting a spell, we're moving our body and we're using our breath to, to create this intention that we want to bring to fruition in the same way that you know, carving something into a candle and lighting it and watching the flame and lighting that every day and knowing exactly what that means when you look at it, that is creating an energy around something. And it is reminding you and it is keeping it in the forefront of your mind. And that's what brings things to life. Instead of the occasionally, in the same way that do you want a better yoga practice, you have to keep doing yoga. Do you want a better magic practice? You have to practice. You know, it's anything, you just have to keep putting your attention into whatever it is that you're focusing or hoping to bring to fruition. It's like a channeling of energy. It's what it all is, right? We're taking something that takes up a lot of space and isn't necessarily controlled and we're trying to confine it and take a specific path with it. I love the idea of practicing because, I mean, I like I said, I know nothing about magic, but <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's not just like a one and done, right? You just continue to do it and it gets better. And you can even tie that back to psychology, right? The more you focus on something, the more important it is, the more inherent it is, the more ingrained in you it is. Or any meditator will tell you, no matter how long you meditate, no one is going to sit down and drop into a great meditation immediately. It's impossible. I mean, it for the first five, 10, 20 plus minutes, can just be sheer chaos, but you need to move through that. And it's the habitual practice and repetition to lock in or maybe like get a taste of it, just a, a moment of it, but doing that over and over and over again until you find the little cues and the things and like, what are the moments where are the places that I need to wake up and pay attention to that allows me to note distractions and swipe them away faster than I normally can. But practice, it takes practice. I love that. It does take practice. And it's like, we're breaking old samskaras, right? We're breaking old habits and replacing them with new ones. Yes. Chipping away. Chipping yes. away. For sure. Okay. I have, I have so many questions. I keep saying that. So carving into a candle, what is that about? Oh, well, you can make, so a lot of candle magic 
you can make a fixed candle. Um, sometimes people do that with certain herbs. You know, there's a thing called a green witch and a green witch is someone who deals with botany and understands their herbs and their oils. And so, I mean, there's this um, amazing woman, Jessica in um, New Orleans, she has the house of hoodoo and she makes fixed candles and she has all of her special herbs and oils that she puts into the candles and her and her husband bless them and pray over them. And then each candle serves a, a specific purpose. And th this comes from the voodoo tradition, but when you light the candle and there's a very specific, like you light it, you can't blow it out. It has to be snuffed out because you were talking to your ancestors when this is on and you have to speak to the candle as, as if what you were asking for is already real. So it's very specific language and verbiage. And um, I, I, I am not advanced enough to be making my own fixed candles, but we'll often carve, you know, if it's banishing a name that you want to banish, like you, you, there's different colors of candles that you use that represent different, like pink obviously would be like love or it could be platonic, but it's normally romantic. Black candles are for banishing or absorbing negative energy. Um, white candles are for purification. So, you know, you learn what all the different colors mean and then you can carve like a sigil into it. That's another, well, that's a long story, but um, like taking basically a mantra and then you chop it up and turn it into a symbol. And then you would take that symbol and carve it into the candle. And so that is emblematic of your mantra. Like if you were doing japa, you know, so when you like that, it is just this extra force fed, powered up version of whatever you're trying to bring into the world. I have like goosebumps from my curiosity. <laughs> I'm excited to if explore. One good thing today made you curious about magic. That's excellent. about so many things. I'm so excited. Hmm. Okay. So I've got a few, a few more questions for you. Um, if you had to choose, this one's kind of specific and a little silly, so indulge me. If you had to choose one specific myth that you loved the most, what would you choose? That is very difficult. Um, it's difficult because there's myths about gods and goddesses that I love. There's myths about like the creatures that I love. Um, I'm preparing my next movie mythology and it's about this uh, Akumiho, which is a Korean nine-tailed evil demon fox. <laughs> and it's fascinating. And it also hails from Chinese and Japanese um, culture as well, except for their versions are definitely not as maniacal. Um, I, I love Artemis, uh, the Greek goddess of the hunt and the moon and the triple goddess, uh, so that's Hecate and Selene and Artemis um, are very near and dear to me because Artemis, I, I went through a long phase of my career that I dedicated towards the term aim true and what does it mean to aim true in my life? And I wrote a book about it and everything. Um, and it was inspired by Artemis and it was inspired from my love of mythology and a prayer that I found to her and how much it changed my life and then just how I started applying that to my life. So she will always be very tender to me and the moon is very important to me and the triple goddess is emblematic of the waxing, waning and full moon. 
And it's also emblematic of the full life of a woman, the maiden, the mother, the crone, and embracing all aspects of our life. And yeah, so there's just so much in Hecate. I, I love the dark goddesses. I love the underworld goddesses. I love Persephone. Um, I like anything that kind of leans into the shadow and, and shows duality is very appealing to me as well. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm so intrigued by the nine-tailed fox. Yeah, Kamiho. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's pretty creepy. They exist off of men's livers, and if they eat 1,000, then they can turn into a human again. <laughs> I did not think that that would be one of the things I learned today. So thank you for sharing that with me. Hey, you're welcome. It might come in handy. You never know. You never know. <laughs> you see yeah. someone coming, coming at you with nine tails, fucking run. <laughs> Sacrifice my husband. Here's a liver for you. <laughs> I'm very chewy. <laughs> That's great. Oh my goodness. Okay. That makes sense though, that why you love, or it sounds like you do a lot of the moon rituals so it makes sense if that's something that's near and dear to you that that's yeah it's one of the offerings that you lean towards um very very easily glanced over you wrote a book two two, two books. books technically three but one's on submission right now and it's just floating around with oh. um but yeah also do a lot of writing um I wrote the women's health big book of yoga and then my second book was called ain't true and I have a third book that was fiction, that is fiction. And it is, um, it's out there. It'll find a home someday. <laughs> and I'm starting to work on my fourth, yeah. My, okay, so on top of owning your own studio, you also write. A lot of reading, do a lot of writing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean. the massive, you know. Oh, yeah. beautiful. Lots of books. My wife, my wife is a writer as well. So, oh my gosh, a lot of creativity in one space. Yes, sometimes too much, probably. Sometimes. <laughs> That's great. I love that. So, now I want to ask about your wife's writing. Okay, focus. We will. She would be I'm, another guest. She would definitely be a full blown guest. <laughs> I might have to have you or her or both back on. We'll 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 discuss. We'll discuss. Um, I'm so excited. This is so awesome. We're nearing in on about 30 minutes. Is there anything like burning for you that you want to share with us that you want to talk about specifically, whether it's one of your offerings, like you said, cooking and things like that, or another topic that you want to talk about? No, I, you know, I mean, House of Phoenix is obviously my baby right now, and I would love for people to come explore it. And People can come, there's a on the house pass. So you get three classes free. So you can come test it out. And we do lots and lots of scholarships, partial scholarships, full scholarships. We will not turn anyone away. So it's a subscription-based website. And if people are struggling with that, just email us and we will figure something out that works. But there's lots of different tiers. You know, there's the full burrito gives you access to what it sounds like. That gives you everything. And then, you know, we have something... The, the lowest one is the practice pass and that gives you five classes a month. So you can just take whatever five practices that you want. And then there's a lot of stuff in between and a la carte, you can build your own pass if you want to, but 
I'm just really proud of it. And like I said, the people there, it's, it's great. I always open the classes 10 minutes early and there's a chat box so we can all talk with each other beforehand. So it kind of feels like you're walking into the studio and getting to catch up with everyone. And, and I have people who will pop in and are like, I don't have time to do class. I just want to say hi. <laughs> so it's, it's that kind of family. It's pretty great. That's an amazing thing that you have created. It's nuts. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's pretty magical. How beautiful. I mean, out of something that was extremely stressful to, you know, blossom to this <laughs> online community. Yeah, it was, it was a wild transition to make. Let me tell you, it was a very, very scary leap of faith, but um, yeah. here you are on the other side. The other side for you. <laughs> okay, so I will absolutely share a link to access your site in the description for anyone who is listening and if they want to. Is that the best way to find the House of Phoenix? Is it uh, via the webpage or do you have an app? The way to go is if you type in thehouseofphoenix.com. That is okay. not where you'll actually take the classes, but that's my business. We built that site just so you can like see everything you can explore. And then everything is directly linked to Union Fit, which hosts, that's the host site. It, and that's in a confusing link. So the house, H-A-U-S, house spelling houseofphoenix.com or you can you know check out on social media we have all the links there too and that's at the house of phoenix okay instagram awesome i will share that in the description as well i have one final burning question that has just now popped into my head what is why the name of the house of phoenix what inspired yeah. that yeah well uh so i did have someone ask me the other day if i live in arizona and i was like um no um the it's phoenix as in the mythological bird and uh, house, I, I chose the old dramatic spelling because to me that was emblematic of my love of storytelling and it felt more magical and old world. And I wanted to build a house. I didn't want to build another yoga site. I wanted to build a home for people to come to, to feel that they could embrace our differences and similarities and all the different offerings that we had. And the Phoenix is the most classic symbol of rebirth and the constant cycle of life and transformation and I was making a very big transformation by starting this business and leaving what I was doing before and I wanted to create a site where people feel that they can continue to transform I just I want there to be constant growth through all of our offerings and it's our home it's our house it's our community with many many wings and many many offerings within it Sounds like a very, very well-fitting name. Yeah, it, it, it all turned out pretty good, pretty good. It really makes you believe kind of in some divine timing. Oh, God, yeah. Time <laughs> is super obnoxious when it's not on your time frame, but it'll work. It'll do what it needs to do. It's always reminding us that it's there. Yes, yeah, and to be patient. Mm -hmm. Patient. Yeah. Thank you so much for no, coming on today. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> it's been so awesome to to learn from you. I'm excited to uh, visit your site and continue to learn from you. Um, yes, thank you again and have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you to the listeners and uh, we'll see you next week. Awesome. Thank you.